This episode is brought to you by Milano Cookies. Look, sometimes that long Zen yoga class is just not in the cards. So maybe a cookie is. Pepperidge Farm Milano believes you should make some time for yourself once in a while. I know I have a particular space in my sewing room that I like to just take a few minutes every day. I sit there. I think about things. It's kind of like meditation and munching at the same time. You can get that yummy, beautiful cookie flavor. It makes it luxurious and delightful, and I always feel recharged. Milano cookies are truly a treat worthy of your me time. They're delicate and crispy with luxuriously rich chocolate in the middle. You really want to keep these just for you. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. Hey, listeners, I wanted to tell you about a new podcast from iHeartRadio called The Women, hosted by Rose Reed. It is a fascinating and deep dive interview show where Rose talks to changemakers and disruptors, and she finds out what really drives them. So she will ask each of them, what was your first stand and how do you navigate success and failure? And really, what's the cost of fighting for others? These interviews are really personal and they're candid and sometimes they're a little bit crass, but they are always really enlightening. You can listen to these firebrands and takeaway lessons that will help you navigate your own life and forge your own path. The debut season includes women like Valerie Plame, the former CIA agent who is now running for Congress, and whistleblower and pediatrician Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha, who exposed the Flint water crisis and became the center of a swirling, swirling amount of problems, uh, and the legendary Buffy St. Marie, 60s songwriter and activist. Uh, I have personal interest in this show because I adore Rose and I executive produce it, and I think you're really going to enjoy the way that she gets into these conversations that feel like two friends talking, and they are an absolute delight. So subscribe to The Women on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Sarah Dowdy. And I'm Dablina Charcoal-Bordy. And Dablina, the Olympics are almost upon us. And we're going to be celebrating here at the podcast, too, with a few fun new sporting episodes. Yes, and apparently we're due because we don't have too many sporting episodes. No. We did kind of a review of our catalog and didn't Slim find pickings. too much. Yeah, so we were disappointed in that. And we're going to try to rectify the situation a little bit by having some cool sports episodes to get everyone excited about the events. And uh, we've already got one lined up on the wild 1900 Paris Olympics, which featured everything from tug-of-war competitions to swimming races in the sun. So that's something to look forward to. That'll be a fun one for sure. But since that Paris episode does cover a lot on the founding of the modern Olympics, we thought it might help to revisit a topic from the Stuff You Missed in History Class archives, an episode on the first Olympics, which took place back in 776 BC in ancient Greece. The first Olympics, not the episode. We haven't been recording for that long. Right. That was back in 2008. And former host Candace and Josh talked about the unsporting ancient tradition of throwing married women spectators off the top of a mountain for a daring peek at the event. So not a very pleasant experience if you were a married woman. And the games themselves were just as violent. There were wrestling and boxing events that were very popular. There were used boxing gloves that were essentially just bands that were wrapped around 
the fighter's fist. They really just did more damage. They bloody your opponent up more than protect your hands and protect your opponent's face. And there was also this sort of wrestling-boxing hybrid, which, according to Greek mythology, was invented by the hero Theseus to fight the Minotaur. There were also equestrian events like chariot races and, uh, you know, things that seem a little more traditional today, too, including foot races of different lengths, the long jump, the discus throw, the pentathlon. Um, And then victors, too. They didn't just get the gold medal, the silver medal, or the bronze. They could get all sorts of trophies, ranging from cauldrons to olive oil to free meals for life. That one sounds pretty good. (laughs) Repeat champions who won more than three events would even get statues placed in the Temple of Zeus at Olympia in their honor. So that was really the ultimate goal, lifelong honor and respect. So the lineup for the modern games has, of course, changed pretty drastically, as has the admissions policies, as we'll hear more about soon on Candace and Josh's podcast. But one ancient tradition that was clearly embraced by Pierre Baron de Coupeton, founder of the modern games, is goodwill. The ancient games were meant to show off the strength of athletic citizens, but also to bring Greeks together for a peaceful event. In fact, to guarantee safety of the delegations traveling through sometimes hostile territory, an Olympic truce was necessary. And Josh talks a little bit more about this coming up in a second. The city-state of Eles, which came up with the idea in the 9th century, would send out heralds before the games began, and they would declare that truce was in effect and that all participants should have safe passage. And I think that's interesting to compare that idea of the ancient truce for the athletes to Coubertin's idea that, quote, in order to respect one another, it is first necessary to know one another through sport. And I think that's still an idea that holds true today, at least in the most idealistic sense of the Olympics. Sure, it's entertaining, but it should bring us together and let us all enjoy watching people compete at the highest level. So well said. (laughs) On that note, let's take a listen to the old podcast. Get out your popcorn, Dublina. Hey, Holly, we have some exciting news. Yeah, I am wildly excited, and uh, people will have another opportunity to watch me cry at art. (laughs) Yeah, you sounded so calm, and it's not a calm situation at all. Uh, Our trip to Paris last year was really successful, so we're doing another similar trip this year, but this time to Rome and Florence. It's May 14th through 21st, 2020, and like last time, it is with a company called Defined Destinations, who is planning out this whole trip for us. Yeah, and during that week-long trip, we are going to see some of the great art that we have talked about on this show many times, including Michelangelo's David. We are going to go to Tuscany. We're going to visit St. Peter's Basilica. We are going to the Sistine Chapel. So it's going to be a fantastic trip. You can get the whole list of places that we are going and information about booking at defineddestinations.com. Scroll down to the Roman Florence trip with Stuff You Missed in History Class or come over to our social media. We have posts about it there too. Hey, listeners, I wanted to tell you about a new podcast from iHeartRadio called The Women, hosted by Rose Reed. It is a fascinating and deep dive interview show where Rose talks to changemakers and disruptors, and she finds out what really drives them. So she will ask each of them, what was your first stand and how do you navigate success and failure? And really, what's the cost of fighting for others? These interviews are really personal and they're candid and sometimes they're a little bit crass, but they are always really enlightening. You can listen to these firebrands 
lessons and takeaway lessons that will help you navigate your own life and forge your own path. The debut season includes women like Valerie Plame, the former CIA agent who is now running for Congress, and whistleblower and pediatrician Dr. Mona Hanna-Attisha, who exposed the Flint water crisis and became the center of a swirling, swirling amount of problems, uh, and the legendary Buffy St. Marie, 60s songwriter and activist. Uh, I have personal interest in this show because I adore Rose and I executive produce it, and I think you're really going to enjoy the way that she gets into these conversations that feel like two friends talking, and they are an absolute delight. So subscribe to The Women on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Gibson, joined today by staff writer Joshua M. Clark. How's it going, Josh? It's going well, Candace. How are you? Fabulous as always. So, Candace, I know you and uh, your fiance Stu love to run marathons, right? Mm-hmm. Do you watch the Olympics? Are you excited about the Olympics coming? I'm out? really pumped. Yes. Well, okay. I have a question for you today about some of the early Olympics, the first Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, the first recorded Olympics was what? 776 BC. That's right. Okay, but there's evidence that it goes back, you know, 250. 50 years before that. Yeah, to like Greek god times when right. Zeus battled it out and became king of the gods because he won an yeah. Olympic event. And, and and most of the evidence we have uh, is, is just legend and we've had to discern, you know, what happened originally from just looking at pottery basically, right? Mm-hmm. But, and a couple of poems written by people like Pliny the Elder. Right, okay. But but ultimately, um, we, we know that all of these legends, all these descriptions, all go back to the Olympics being started as a tribute to Zeus, the god of gods on Mount Olympus, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so with the Olympics originally, um, it was a one-day event, and it was actually just a single event, the stadium race? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, which is them running 600 feet, and it was one day. I can't imagine that took very long to, to, to hold that event, but um, ultimately... It, it caught on in such popularity that all these generally warring city-states that neighbored one another um, would take on an Olympic truce during the Olympics, and all fighting would stop, all feuds would be off, so that these um, Olympic athletes could come into Olympus, where they held the, the Olympics, right, logically enough, um, and um, compete for that one day. So they took it pretty seriously, right? Now I've um, I've read your article pretty thoroughly and I loved it uh, on how how the first Olympics worked. But I noticed that it was very male centric. There there wasn't too much talk about women, and I had heard that um, women actually were very much discouraged from you know even watching the Olympics so that they could be killed for doing so. Is that fact or is that fiction? Can you clear that up? That's actually a fact. Young virgins could watch the Olympic event, but married women absolutely were forbidden. And the punishment for sneaking in and watching the games was actually death. Women were hurled off the pinnacle of Mount Taipan, which stands about 490 feet high. And there's actually a pretty famous legend about Kali Patera, who trained her son to compete in the Olympics. And she herself came from a long line of Olympic victors. And she snuck in. She was determined to watch her son compete. And when he won, 
on, she was so excited that she ran forward to congratulate him, and her clothes were ripped off of her in the process. Wow. And obviously, it was revealed that she was a woman. But because, again, she had such Olympic roots, they decided to pardon her. And there's actually no archaeological evidence that anyone was thrown off the mountain. I guess they were looking for bones at the base of Taipan, and they couldn't find them. Right. But uh, women pretty much stayed away. They learned their lesson. Oh, I would, too. A 500-foot drop would do it for me. It's, yeah, pretty high. And also, toward the 8th century, a lot of the athletes started competing naked. And maybe this was for momentum or, or you know, less traction when they were running. But also, it could have been an effort to discern whether the competitors were men or women competing in disguise. So. Plus, I, I imagine it just felt good. Yeah, you know, get the breeze in there. Yeah. Well, that was a fun one to revisit and get us pumped up for the upcoming games. And the upcoming podcast. Yeah. The Olympics. It- Exactly. And if you want to learn a little bit more about the first Olympics, the very first Olympics, Candace has an excellent article on our website. Um, it's called How the First Olympics Worked Appropriately Enough. And you can look that up by visiting our homepage. www.howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Hey guys, I'm Shane Bacon, and I want to tell you about a new podcast called Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. One guy that has probably hit a 350-yard drive, considers himself an athlete mostly because of his unreal papa shot abilities, and has in fact started to show off signs of a tricep forming, is our own Max Homa, PGA Tour winner and fan favorite online. Max and myself turn out new episodes every week to give the fan a unique look at golf and all that comes with it from someone that spends his work weeks on tracks we all dream to play, grinding and out with the best in the world. Listen and follow Get a Grip with Max Soma and Shane Bacon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts right now. We are going to Italy. After the success of last year's trip to Paris, we are planning another similar trip, still with defined destinations, this time to Rome and Florence. Yeah, we are going to spend a week exploring some amazing things. We're going to have city tours of both Rome and Florence. We're going to see the Roman Colosseum, the Vatican Museum, and the Sistine Chapel, St. Peter's Basilica, Vatican City. This is just a tiny fraction of all the stuff we're going to get to do. Yeah, it's May 14th to 21st, 2020. And to get more information, go to defineddestinations.com and scroll down to the Roman Florence trip with Stuff You Missed in History class.